Water, it's an essential resource for all life on Earth. Clean, fresh water is necessary for drinking, sanitation, crops, livestock, industry, and sustaining the ecosystems on which all life depends. However, one of the effects of climate change is water scarcity, and not just in developing countries, but in developed ones too. In fact, according to the World Wildlife Fund, 1.1 billion people worldwide lack access to water, and a total of 2.7 billion find water scarce for at least one month of the year. When water runs dry, people can't get enough to drink, wash, or water their crops, which can lead to humanitarian and economic catastrophe. Around the world, agriculture relies heavily on water. Without water, farmers can't grow crops or produce the food we eat. With agriculture using approximately 70% of the world's fresh water, this industry alone can address the issue of water scarcity globally. And this is where the team at Deep Root Irrigation comes in. Deep Root Irrigation is on a mission to address global drought by creating a product for farmers that drastically reduces the amount of water needed for crops. In fact, their product is so effective that one of their clients was able to water their grapevines in half the time using over 60% less water than a conventional irrigation system. In this episode, I speak to the founder of Deep Root Irrigation, Jeff Chudai, to understand how their irrigation system works and the benefits for the agricultural industry and the environment. This was a very inspirational conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for joining the Sustainability Champions podcast. Great to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure being here. I appreciate that. And the way I like to start these conversations is by taking a step back and really understanding a little bit more about what you do and what deep root irrigation does in a big picture sense. So what is sort of your elevator pitch, if you will? Well, uh, we are a manufacturer. We own the IP for a, uh, a device that changes the way people irrigate. Okay. Uh, we have come up with a way to take a small amount of water and put it in the ground under pressure so that it lasts four to five times longer than twice as much water applied from the surface. Uh, this makes a big difference for how farmers will irrigate their crops in the future. Fantastic. And so, so okay, so basically the biggest thing that you're solving here is the amount of water that's being used to water crops. Um, uh, well, yeah, that's correct. We uh, are able to show farmers that they can reduce the amount of water they use on permanent crops, uh, like trees, vines, uh, shrubs, that kind of thing, um, by at least 50%. And we have some farmers that have reduced their water by up to 80%. Wow, that's huge. And so, I, I mean, what, what are the current challenges of the conventional way of watering? You're, you're saying just from the top, I mean, I'm kind of picturing like when I go out into my garden and water the flowers just with a hose just spraying on top. That's exactly right. That's surface irrigation. Whether it's drip, whether it's micro sprinklers, um, you're applying water on the surface and it takes a, a, a certain application of the water to get that water to penetrate down into the soil. During that time, we, we lose a lot of water to evaporation. The more the water molecule is exposed to uh, air molecules, the more is evaporated. The more wind you have, the more heat that you have, the more evaporation occurs. Uh, at the same time, farmers like to apply fertilizer. Uh, through their irrigation process. You refer to mm -hmm. it as fertigation. 
So uh, when you apply Sorry, fertilizer, that? Sorry, just yeah. to, did you say yeah. fertigation? Fertigation. This is the word fertilizer and irrigation together, fertigation. That's great. So when you run your, your fertilizer through your irrigation lines uh, and you're putting it on the surface of the ground, um, it, I mean, it works, but you have to apply a lot of fertilizer to get it to sink into the ground. Now, mm -hmm. there's a certain amount of it that dries up on the surface and we get this crust. And uh, when the wind begins to blow, that crust turns into dust and it blows and becomes airborne. Or when it rains and it washes down into the creek and now you've got creeks and there are uh, a lot of nitrates and you get these algae blooms and, and that kind of thing. It's not good for uh, our environment. So uh, uh, those are a couple of things uh, that are associated with surface irrigation that we're able to mitigate. Uh, another thing is that when you surface irrigate, you grow weeds because any weeds that have seeds that are in the proximity of that wet pattern are going to germinate. Uh, we put our water underground and so uh, it, it doesn't grow weeds. And so you're only irrigating the root zone of a specified plant. When you, when you have standing surface water, uh, insects will uh, use that to uh, breed. And that's how we get these gigantic insect blooms in, uh, in ag areas. So uh, by eliminating the standing surface water, we eliminate the giant insect blooms. So you don't have to use insecticide. I mean, that's incredible. It's one very simple technology that takes care of so many different things. We're talking about uh, reducing the amount of water that's being used. We're talking about uh, reducing the amount of fertilizer that ends up in waterways and airborne, and, and that ties in with this massive dead zone that we hear about in the Gulf of Mexico, talking about reducing the number of weeds that grow, and so reducing um, using any sort of herbicides uh, and fungicides, and also reducing number of insects that breed and getting these massive insect blooms, which reduce again, pesticides and, and various other inputs that are being used in uh, agriculture. So one extremely simple sounding system and all of a sudden, like so many problems are just, I mean, evaporate to use the word. Yeah, that's correct, Daniel. And you know, uh, one other thing that I hadn't mentioned yet was uh, the amount of energy. In, in the state of California, uh, we met with folks from the uh, Department of Energy, and they, they let us know that um, out of all the energy consumption in the state of California, um, the largest portion of energy in the entire state expenditure goes towards pumping water for agriculture. And I said, you got to be kidding me. Does that mean that so all these cities with all their lights on and everything use less energy than the energy that's used to pump water for agriculture? And they said, that's exactly right. And so uh, when we use 50% less water for agriculture, we're reducing the energy consumption by 50%. That's insane. That is, yeah. So we, it, it actually does. And the fact that you didn't include that makes it sound like, but wait, there's more. Um, so. Okay, there is so much to talk about here. Um, the first thing I, I wanted to ask, because we, we, I think, so water is a big deal, especially in California, because California is almost always in a perpetual drought, uh, pretty much. So I've heard, and I'd, I'd be curious to know your thoughts, that actually, you know, people, people say, like, take shorter showers, you know, don't leave the tap running while you're brushing your teeth or shaving or all these things. And yeah, of course, that's important. But isn't agriculture actually the biggest 
agriculture and industry, but agriculture, one of the biggest uses or consumers of fresh water, I mean, by far, to the point where if we all took 10-minute showers or 20-minute showers and we stopped, it actually wouldn't really make a big difference at all. Well, that's exactly right. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, according to the statistics from uh, the Department of Water Resources in California, um, farming consumes 80% of the state's fresh water supply. And that's uh, California, right? That's just California. Yeah. And uh, if we can reduce that by 50%, that, that allows for an extra 40% of the state's water supply as a contingency to be used for all kinds of purposes. Now, I can tell you this, Daniel, that uh, in the future, we're going to have more people on this planet. So it's not just California, but the entire planet. If we can use this water uh, to grow more food uh, and grow healthier food, uh, the world's going to be a better place. And if there's enough food to go around for everyone because we're we're growing it better, um, well, there's going to be less fighting over water and food. Uh, one other thing that I need to bring up is that when farmers do use deep root irrigation and they grow a healthy plant and they keep track of how much water they used, how much nutrient they used, when they irrigated, when they applied nutrient, and, and they create that perfect plant. Well, now they can replicate that plant and the yield perfectly on every single plant. Not only that, but they can do it every single year. So it's not a matter of, is this going to be a good year for uh, grapes, or is this going to be a good year for nuts or for whatever, okay? We know that it's going to be a perfect year. We're going to do exactly what we did last year. And all the variables that uh, occur from uh, a drought, too much wind, too much sun, um, those kinds of things uh, uh, no, no longer are the, the, the what affects the result of the plant. And the yield yeah so it, it's basically like a hydroponic system but outdoor and and what, what what you're saying which i think is important to clarify because this i think detail can be missed um and, and i just want to clarify a little more you specifically said permanent crops so and then you said grapes trees like almonds avocados and i'm specifically picking almonds and avocados because of how water intensive they are especially in the state of california um but we're not talking about strawberries, tomatoes, corn. Well, wait, let me put it this way. Deep root irrigation, DRI units could be used for corn. Okay. They could be used for uh, tulips. They could, but the thing is, uh, it's not cost effective to uh, install the DRI units. We like to install them and leave them there for the life of the tree. Gotcha. And so we never have to do anything. But when you're talking about a, a crop where you're tilling the soil every year, you've got to pull those DRI units out and then reset them. So uh, you know, the labor intensity, you might as well use drip tape, very drip tape. So gotcha. for, those are all shallow rooted plants. Uh, DRI is incredibly effective at uh, creating deeper roots for permanent crops. You know, whether it's a blueberry, whether it's a tea plant, whether it's a date palm, whether it's uh, citrus, avocados, pecans, you name it. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean... And and like I said, I mean, almonds and avocados take up a huge amount of water uh, and a lot of them are grown in California. So is that, if we're talking about costs uh, for farmers, how, how much, and I, I don't know how well you can estimate the number for this, but I mean, how much savings can a farmer potentially expect by investing in DRI and doing this deep root irrigation on you know, like if they have an avocado farm, and I, I understand you have to calculate hectares or acres of, of land, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but is there any sort of, if you're cutting your water usage by 50%, you know, how so, does that translate? 
So let's let's talk about almonds. That's a little easier. We've got more farmers, more almond growers than you know just about anybody else. So uh, okay. that's a statistic that I know quite well. Uh, if you have um, one acre of almonds and you put DRI on it, it will pay for itself in 1.7 years with the water savings. So uh, from that point on, everything that uh, you had been paying extra for water, for pumping, for fertilizer, the extra labor uh, involved for going through, passing through, and for the uh, weed abatement and you know for insecticide application or uh, fungicide application, those types of things uh, uh, really reduced the cost considerably as well. So uh, farmers are able to reduce their their farming costs uh, near fifty percent as well. And uh, so we see a lot of these uh, small farms that were family run that uh, were planning on just selling off the younger generation, didn't want to farm anymore because it's so difficult and there just wasn't enough money in it. Now, when they use DRI, they're finding that, wow, there is a, we have a terrific profit margin now. And so we see younger generation really becoming involved now and saying, yeah, I do want to take over the farm. I want to take this into the future because it's not only can I do it well, but I can make a profit and prosper. That's incredible. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it almost, it really does sound almost too good to be true just because it's solving so many issues. Well, let me tell you one thing, Daniel, I believe that uh, all inspiration comes from God. Um, and um, I believe that this idea, you know, came to us because, you know, there's, there's a need on earth and uh, you know, our company has five core values, honor God, honor family, honesty, quality, and bless the world. So, um, you know, we, we don't want to hold ourselves up on any kind of pedestal or anything like that. We want to keep our head down and we want to do good work and we want to, we want to bless the lives of others. And I think God gave us a very simple way to do it, just a simple thing. And if we do it right, we've learned a lot from some of the best people in the industry about DRI and how to apply it. And um, if they do it right, it's amazing what they can accomplish with this simple little device. And it makes it so that the smallest farmer in Africa can produce quality of uh, food to the same caliber as the, the, the most highly financed farm anywhere in the world. And so uh, it levels the playing field. Yeah, it really does. Uh, it, I And thank you for that. I mean, I think it's it's wonderful to, to hear your your values and your approach. And it, it's clear that it goes beyond just uh, making a great product and really about helping people and, and also helping um, people to, to have a sustainable future on the, on the environment. I mean, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of wins here simultaneously. Um, one thing that, that I've at least heard, and, and of course you're going to know this much better than I do, but, um, but I, I've been seeing a trend for the younger generation of farmers to want to move towards a more sustainable more sustainable practices, whether it's just getting organic certified or just doing organic without the certification or perhaps being a little bit more uh, intense with their with their farming and going down the a more permaculture or perhaps regenerative farming route. Um, does DRI have a place in those types of sort of quote unquote unconventional forms of farming? Uh, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because uh... When we started with uh, wine grapes in Napa Valley, um, some of our customers were um, uh, absolutely organic. And uh, this was the easiest way for them to be able to uh, stay organic and, okay. and, and grow as, as organic farmers. So DRI is absolutely organic compliant. 
And it's uh, it, it's a great way for those who want to become organic uh, to be able to uh, eliminate all the things that uh, were basically required before if you're going to farm. And so um, now it's a simpler, better way to grow. Fantastic. Going back to the money savings, because you said something that I just remembered. Um, where the the what the way DRI actually helps farmers save money is not just in the cost of the water itself. Um, there's also the energy w- which we touched on, but um, this idea of fertigation and the amount of inputs, meaning fertilizer, insecticide, fungicide, etc., that you a farmer would actually add to their crops. So w- when you say that that DRI can be paid off within 1.7 years, you are counting the water, the energy, and the reduction in the amount of inputs that are added. That's correct. So and for every farmer, it's different. We don't tell any specific farmer, you need to reduce your water by this much. Uh, we tell them, look, in order to grow the type of plants that you want to grow, you are looking, you are trying to achieve a desired soil moisture content. Use DRI, achieve that soil moisture content, maintain that soil moisture content, and uh, and then at the end of your season, tell us how much water you needed to do that work. And they usually tell us, wow, it was crazy. I, I reduced it by at least 50% or, or 70% or whatever it was. So um, yeah, these these farmers, when they talk about cost, uh, and they, they can take now, instead of spreading fertilizer over their entire field, they put it right into the active root zone of their plants. So everything that normally would have been waste is taken out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Now we're very efficient. We put it exactly where it's needed, exactly where the plants can feed. And uh, the rest of the ground, we, we do not uh, fertilize. Uh, we don't irrigate in the other the rest of the ground. And, uh, you know, it makes it so that... Uh, Insects, you know, they say, hey, look, this isn't the best habitat for me. I'm moving on. And that's what they do. So uh, the farmers who have DRI, uh, they're able to have these the exact nutrient and water values in the ground by where the trees are feeding. But um, up above, it's, uh, you know, it produces wonderful fruit. But see, the, the insects that want to uh, inhabit that fruit, they also need to have... Uh, uh, the water on the ground. And if we don't have the water on the ground, it uh, doesn't give them everything they need, so they move on. Fascinating. That makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, how deep for almond trees, since you were saying that's one of your uh, most common type of farm, um, how deep do, do, does the irrigation system actually go into the soil? That's, that's a good question. So we, we take the DRI unit and we stick, it's 12 inches long. And it has a quarter inch tube on it that goes out 42 inches. Um, we, we put that into the ground and we want to make sure there's about six to eight inches of soil above it. And so when it fills up with water, it's pushing out and creating this bulb of saturation. So a- after we do a, an irrigation set, if you go back 48 hours later and you do a cutaway, you're going to see something that, that looks like a sphere. Um, and uh, this, this wet pattern that's more saturation value at the center of it, at the core of it and lower saturation values as you move out to ambient soil. And so uh, the roots will grow in until they find the saturation ratio that they like, but they never actually grow in all the way to the DRI unit. The wet pattern that we create can be, it's up to the farmer, that can be a very small wet pattern for wine grapes, 
or it can be a very large wet pattern for avocados, so for almonds. And so uh, we see some farmers that are trying to achieve an eight foot wide wet pattern on either wow. side of the tree. And, and they can do that with DRI. Um, or they want to keep a, a 24 inch wet pattern for wine grapes. And, uh, and they can do that as well. So um, when they do that, it actually pushes up to the surface. So it goes up to the surface and whatever they're, however wide it is, it's actually going that deep as well. Okay, so if they have a, a two foot wide wet pattern, well, it's, it's going a little over two feet deep. If they've got a, a five foot wide wet pattern, well, it's going five feet deep. Now, the, the reason why it doesn't just drain away like surface water does is because when you put water in the ground from a central, central point and there's no air involved and you're pushing out, you're actually pushing the air molecules out ahead of it. It's like filling up a water balloon. Hmm. So it's surrounded by moist soil that has air in it, but at the core of it, it's fully saturated. There's no air. Since there's no air in it, all these water molecules are clinging together and it wants to be maintained as a unit. So if it was going to try and drain down, well, it can't. It, it's a wet pattern that uh, uh, is fully saturated at the core. And the reason it doesn't drain down is because water molecules will cling together and the friction coefficient of the soil keeps it. It's that, that resistance of the soil. It wants to stay together. That makes it hang in place. Hmm. So we just keep adding a little bit more. Every time it shrinks down a little bit because some of the water has been used by the roots, we add more. We top it off and we maintain that soil moisture. So uh, because of that, that's the science behind it. Because it has no air at the core of it, it will last four to five times longer than twice as much water applied from the surface. Amazing. So that explains the massive water reduction. And, and you I started... That... So, sorry, go on. I was just said exactly, you're right. Yeah. Um, so you, you briefly touched on it, and I, I just realized as we're talking that I don't actually understand fully how the unit looks. It sounds to me like it's basically just for sake of example, basically like a, a large pen um, or, or perhaps some sort of, yeah, like a, a large stick almost that you put into the ground. Can, can you describe it a little more? Okay, so so the uh, DRI unit is made up of a, a soaker hose shroud. So that it's a it's a piece of hose that uh, emits water through, through the walls of the hose. And uh, it's got a cap at the bottom and it has a quarter inch tubing come in the top. It has a copper element inside. So if capillary roots, which can, some plants can be very invasive, if they were ever to grow inside of it and try and clog the water source, they wouldn't because copper, when you stick it into the earth, it, it gets an electrical charge. Copper attracts electrons. So uh, since this is completely encased in plastic and rubber though, it's the water that connects it to the earth. As soon as you run water through it, it connects the copper to the earth and the copper gets a little bit of electrical charge. Now, that means that if capillary roots got near it, that little bit of electrical charge is like a force field. It keeps the fine capillary roots from growing into it. So we never have to worry about it plugging. But the fact that it's always fully saturated at, around the DRI unit, um, the, uh, the, the high saturation value, the roots don't actually like it to be fully saturated. They like to find a saturation ratio that has a mixture of air and water. So they'll grow into it, do it close to it, proximity, and they'll have a lot of feeder roots that develop there, but they won't grow in to where it's fully saturated. That makes sense. And so you just have, so if I were an almond farmer, I would put one of these units next to each one of my trees. Is that is that the way it would you work? Put one on either side of the tree. Okay. And it's about uh, three and a half feet out from the tree. And um, the, the tree actually, the root structure of these trees, we found actually changes. 
So uh, if you were to take a, uh, a root structure from a tree, whether it's citrus or almond or whatever, and you were to uh, pull that tree out, you'd see that surface water trees have roots that grow out 360 degrees, but they don't really grow deep. They're, they're in shallow, okay, all the way around. Basically so trying to just capture rainwater, uh, which is exactly why they sit right. on the top. They're, yeah. they're out there taking the, the, the water that comes from the surface. So uh, with DRI, when, once we put DRI in, the tree actually develops two sets of primary roots or tap roots that grow down with feeder roots that grow off of that. So we get completely different root structure that develops. And that's because that's where the water is. These are living organisms that will adapt. And so now they have feeder roots where the DRI is and they're deeper, which means that you've got a tree now that uh, is more resilient to uh, changes in, uh, in the environment. So uh, if surface water trees, if you cut off the water uh, in a week, they're all dead. Hmm. Uh, if you, especially in California during the middle of summer. Now, interesting thing, we had a, one of the world's largest uh, almond growers in California. They were doing a test with DRI and somebody accidentally turned off the water for two weeks in the middle of the summer. It took two weeks for the trees to start showing stress. So when they looked, they found that the water had been turned off. They looked at the last irrigation cycle and they realized it had been two weeks. Well, not only did the trees survive without any problem at all, they were totally blown away that there was enough water reserve under there to keep the trees healthy and strong and vigorous during that, which any other time, any surface water trees would have all been completely dead. Yeah, that's incredible. I wonder if the trees are sort of, although you are basically spoon feeding them underground, but I wonder if they're also sort of encouraging to, um, or, or if they're somehow encouraged to keep digging deeper. And you're exactly right. And I'm glad you brought that up because what happens is, when you surface water, um, something happens to every farmer that surface waters. On the top of the soil, or the top layer of soil, it's got all this fine silts. And when you apply water to that top soil, the silts start working their way down into the ground. And when they get down to about 16 inches, all the silts kind of clog all the pores of the soil and they start creating something that farmers refer to as hard pan. And so you're digging down and you, it feels like you're hitting hard rock. But what it is, it's all those silts that have clogged the soil there and has made it incredibly difficult for water to penetrate as well as roots. Now, when we use a DRI unit, we poke our hole through the hard pan and we start applying water even underneath the hard pan and actually push those fine silts back up in the upper layers of soil. So what we find is that the roots, once they get down into that layer below the hard pan, they do take off. They start following that moisture down. But not only that, we found that a lot of the soils that would have mineral depletion California, other places, because they've been farming for generations, that deeper soil is really high mineral content. So when the roots start getting down there, they're, it's, it's glorious. It's like a, a buffet for them. They can go down deeper and they can mine these, these minerals down there and you end up with a very healthy tree. And that goes back to the the cycle of needing less fertilizer. So, I mean, it's it's right. a virtuous cycle. Um, one more question that I'm just very curious to know just on this topic is when it rains, I mean, I've watched enough documentaries about soil that I know that conventional farming, when it rains, the vast majority of water just, and we already talked about this, just goes straight off the soil. And, and especially if there's fertilizer and all the other inputs, that that's how it ultimately and frequently ends up in the rivers and in the oceans, et cetera. With your system, considering what you've just described, does what does the soil uh, structure change at all in terms of perhaps it's a little bit more aerated or you know water doesn't doesn't flow right off? Have you noticed any well, difference with that? Well, okay, so we we 
we'll be testing on this for the next 50 years. But uh, the, what we have noticed is this. We've noticed that uh, when you push the fine silts from the hard pan back up in, in the soil, it makes it easier for water to not only penetrate the first 16 inches, but it makes it easier for water to get down deeper. Um, now, when you talk about all the rain, like California was just inundated with rain uh, right. you know, last month. So sad to say that uh, farmers who had soil moisture uh, readings in the ground uh, instrumentation, they were able to see that uh, uh, the rain, sure, they, it increased the soil moisture content to a certain degree, but with the amount of rain that we got, 90% of it was lost. 90% of it ran off into the river streams and is already into the ocean. So they did fill up reservoirs, which is a good thing, okay? But uh, it didn't add that much to uh, the soil moisture content of the ground, at least for the, purpose, the purposes of longevity. So um, that being said, yeah, when you get rain, everybody says, okay, the drought is over. Oh, it's not. Uh, it's too bad it's not. Uh, but you need consistent rain in order for the drought to be over yeah. for a long period of time. Uh, was was there a specific moment when you realized that this was the work that you wanted to do? Um, if you'd have asked me 20 years ago if I was going to be doing this, I would say no. no. Am I going to run a factory? No, okay. you know. Uh, but I've always been an inventor, and uh, I I knew that uh, whatever I invented, I wanted it to be something that was going to. Uh, bless the lives of others and uh, make life on this planet easier for people, easier for people to get along. And so uh, I know that water, um, God has given me kind of an understanding of water. Hmm. So uh, I have a, a patent on a desalination technology that uh, if, if I make enough money, I can make that available to the world. Uh, but uh, also uh, uh, DRI, I, I guess it was probably an answer to your question. It was probably sometime just in the, in the in the last five years where I realized that okay, this is not just an idea that I'm going to uh, build up a little bit and sell off for somebody else to take care of. This is an idea that uh, we're going to see it through so that it becomes what it needs to be, and uh, make sure that um, the people that need it get it, and they learn how to use it, and um, that other people get a chance to see it. Because when you just tell people about it, I got to tell you, Daniel, one of our biggest problems is that we tell people about it and they say, ah, it sounds too good to be true. Can't be true. We've even had farmers that use DRI and throughout the season, they were measuring everything. And at the end of the season, they said, that can't be right. We got to do it again, another year. And so, okay, well, whatever it takes, you know, but the point is it does work. It's a simple device that does some pretty amazing things and allows farmers to farm in a better way. And I think um, one of our customers summed it up. He did a video that was very nice. And uh, he said he believes that DRI is the future of irrigation. And that's what we believe too. Amazing. We believe that uh, people will be, in the next 10 years, everyone around the world will be using this technology to enhance the way that they grow. And uh, based on what I'm hearing, I see absolutely no reason for that not to happen. There's just so many upsides for everyone involved uh and speaking of future because um I, i'm always curious to know what what are your plans for dri uh in the future anything specific that you're working on uh or that you'd like to see that you that you can share okay so um you know when you when you start manufacturing something you got to think about distribution and uh 
you know, at, at first we were selling directly to customers and eventually it gets to the point where you can't service all of these customers that are coming in from everywhere. So you need to have distributors that can take care of those customers, distributors take care of these and, and so on. So uh, we have four prime distributors and uh, those those four prime distributors uh, reach out to the world and communicate with all the customer base out there. And right now we are uh, we have distribution in uh, 13 countries. And um, we uh, some of those countries are just really taking off with DRI. And, and we will probably at some point build uh, uh, manufacturing in those countries to make it easier on them so we can uh, service their accounts a little easier, faster. Um, you know, uh, we in pretty much we can make this product anywhere because we we make it out of recycled tires um, and uh, polyethylene. Uh, the manufacturing process uh, really creates no real measurable pollutants of any kind, and um, you know it, it's a product that uh, uh, is inert, so it doesn't it doesn't uh, give off any kind of a uh, real negative. Uh, so it's it's something that farmers can safely use and. Uh, uh, yeah, our objective is just to uh, grow, watch the need, and uh, be there for the need wherever they are around the world. Fantastic. Um, I mean, it's amazing to hear that it's already being distributed internationally. And I, I again, I see no reason, based on what I'm hearing, other than people's own disbelief, uh, for for this to not become a standard. It, it seems to me like this this the technology, this has to be the way it's done. Just logically, you know, every farmer who has permanent crops, who's not thinking about how can I reduce my cost? Well, I mean, every farmer should just be using this with permanent crops because there's 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 just so many reasons for them. Even if they don't care about the environment or anything else, just financially, you know, you cut your costs drastically and it sounds like your life is just easier and just less work. You don't have to fertilize as often. You don't have to do as much spraying in general. You just do it once in a much smaller amounts because it's more effective than there's fewer um, fewer reasons to to spray. So yeah, I, I wish you the best of luck with with expanding the production, with with getting the word out there, and really sharing sharing the story because it's well worth everyone's time to to understand and learn and, and ultimately invest in it. And so. For the people who, for anyone who is interested in learning more about deep root irrigation, either speaking to you about it, purchasing it, testing it out, or just learning, where is the best place to go to learn more and, and ultimately get in contact with you? So uh, the best way for them to uh, learn more, I mean, it, it, my website is, is actually kind of pathetic, but you know, it's, I'm the manufacturer, so I don't really need a good website, but uh, I have four prime distributors and all four of those prime distributors have wonderful websites. So, um, uh, you know, Irrigation Technologies, their website is a bettertowaytogrow.com. Uh, then we have uh, uh, deeprootrevolution.com. And then we have deeprootdistribution.com. And uh, then we have deeprootsolutions, which is, uh, you can contact them on LinkedIn and uh, they're very active on LinkedIn. They got a ton of followers. Uh, in the ag community. So uh, uh, contact any one of them. They will answer the questions. They'll take care of you. But here's the thing. Any customer at any time can get on our website. My cell phone is on our website. Any customer can call me directly and say, hey, I've got a question or I've got a problem and I'll take care of it. 
That's amazing. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time and for for walking us through deep root irrigation and, and your system and your philosophy, your approach. Uh, as I've said, and, and I think it, it's worth repeating, this system seems like a godsend. And it's something that can truly make a massive impact for people and the planet. Um, and what I love about it is ultimately its elegance in that it's a very simple system. And I think Leonardo da Vinci said that uh, simplicity is the ultimate elegance. And, and based on what I'm hearing, that is what you've created. So uh, I truly wish you the best of luck with with expanding it and moving it forward and sharing it with as many farmers around the world as you possibly can, because water water scarcity is becoming a very real issue in many countries, uh, both um, in, all, in all regions. So, um, and like you said, our population isn't slowing down in terms of growth. So we're gonna have more people to feed and less resources to do it with at the rate we're going. So this system is, uh, is sounds like an absolute game changer. So thank you for your well, work. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate you having me today.